0: hey guys welcome to today's episode of the sustainable self-development podcast and what you'll be hearing here is a bit of a unique episode because actually I was interviewed on someone else's podcast, namely Adam McDonald, who has a show called The Health Mastery Show. And he was kind enough to invite me over and ask me about my story and how I overcame several challenges in my own fitness journey, such as binge eating, obsessive tendencies, using the gym for burning extra calories and not for much else social isolation and a whole bunch of other things and how i managed to come out to the other side how i got into auto-regulated eating or intuitive eating whatever you want to call it and we also talked about some other topics such as sustainable body fat percentages how lean you can actually get without tracking macros and a lot of other goodies so i think you will definitely enjoy this episode if you do And if you're listening to this in audio format, then please consider subscribing to the podcast and also dropping a five-star rating. And if you're watching this on YouTube, then please consider subscribing and also drop a comment, let me know what you think, and like the video if you do. So that's all as a general intro and of course check out Adam's show which is once again called The Health Mastery Show which you can find in different podcasting platforms and also his YouTube channel which can be found in the show notes. So I hope you enjoy this episode and with that let's get into it.
1: Today I have on with me uh, Abel from uh, Sustainable Self-Development. Funny thing is I was actually on your podcast Abel Probably two thousand and sixteen, I believe.
0: Yeah, to late two thousand sixteen, early two thousand seventeen, something like that.
1: Yeah, so I think at that stage, that was when I last was doing a last competition, last or my last competition prep, and I was traveling a lot. And you were just beginning your channel, and I, I to be honest, I never, I didn't know who you were, and mm. you'd reach out to me on Facebook or something like that. I think you were just you were just kind of starting your videos, and I think the our topic was like traveling. At that stage, I was trying to make a point of traveling. To around the world essentially while doing contest prep and showing that you didn't kind of have to have this uh, kind of bodybuilding lifestyle where you're socially confined or you're not able to travel and eat out and reflecting on that actually i wasn't in the best shape as i possibly could have been this this time around three years later mm-hmm. i'm actually 10 pounds if not more lighter and um, so in terms of body fat mass probably more than 10 pounds because i'm also bigger as well so it wasn't the best uh, idea to do that uh, in retrospect but it was fairly enjoyable but over the couple of years I've you know followed your channel as you've just basically been a lot more consistent than most people in just sticking with it and um yeah I've saw some really good content and the kind of content that I would actually really like to consume so not this kind of Thomas Teller rubbish yeah. where you're just cherry picking stuff and Trying to come up with a kind of quick fix. So interviewing the top researchers and top evidence-based practitioners or bodybuilders in this space, but then looking at how you can practically apply that to the everyday guy. I suppose that's kind of the the message or the person that you're speaking to is your your everyday guy is interested in in bodybuilding or body composition. So. I suppose one of the things that I thought that you really nailed pretty well was being able to you know, have an auto regulation style of eating where basically you're not tracking your macros per se, or not being too nuanced about it. But how did you go about that? Because I know that in one of your videos, you talked about how you kind of got into a rut in late 2016, where although you're you know, heavily involved in health and fitness and you just on a PT course, and I think you maybe even had some clients where you're putting out a lot of content that you're felt like you're in the worst shape of your life so what kind of happened that helped you or led you to change in that you know, moment
0: yeah that's um it's funny actually uh that rut that i was stuck in in late 2016 early 2017 because just yesterday I was going on a walk with my girlfriend and she was looking for a store and I just pointed somewhere and saying, hey, there is a store that is open all night, like it's 0-24 or 24-7 it's open. Uh, and she was like, oh, I didn't even know that there was a store here. And then I thought to myself, like, well, the reason I know that there's this 24-7 store there is because I used to go there sometimes in the middle of the night to buy some food that I could binge on. <laughs> uh, so that's, that was a kind of a dark period in my life in terms of health and fitness. And, you know, I started out in fitness kind of with a naive mindset, I got into the more evidence-based circles, I, I learned about how to put together a good training program, how to optimize your nutrition. And at first, it was all really enjoyable. I think I went through the natural or the phases that most people go through in the beginning of their training journey, built some muscle, lost some fat, started tracking macros really precisely, and for a long time, that was a very fulfilling process, and eventually, it, it has gotten to the point, and the point where I reached that rut that you were talking about around that time in 2017 or so, where I developed some not so healthy relationships with food. Uh, my eating behavior started becoming fairly dis- disordered. I also started to use the gym in a way that was pretty obsessive and just not very productive anymore. I was struggling with way too many aches and pains and little injuries, which would have been appropriate given my training age at the time. And the thing is, looking back now, Of course, the quality of my life was worse because of those things. But looking back, I really developed those tendencies almost on purpose because I was trying to cover up some other areas of my life which were not so great at that time. Like socially, I was very isolated. I didn't have a great career trajectory. I was just finishing my degree in uni and I didn't really know what was going to happen with my career path going forward. And the thing is, while I was eating my meals with the weird behaviors that I developed, while I was going to the gym every day and basically looking for means to burn extra calories and to have those big meals after my workouts, while I was doing those times, at least I could avoid focusing on those things in my life, which were kind of just lagging areas. And ironically, what got me out of that was not some revolutionary insight about training or nutrition. It was really a life event that kind of just woke me up to the idea that, hey, things are happening out there. Like There's potentially some good stuff in the world that's happening that I'm missing out on while I'm isolating myself and just being consumed completely by my fitness stuff. And that's when I decided that something needs to change in my life. Like something, basically whatever I was doing up until now, I need to do the complete opposite in some regards at least. Because even though theoretically it should work, at the moment, it's just not working. And like you mentioned, I got to the point where I was in a terrible shape relative to where I could have been or where I should have been given my knowledge about fitness. Uh, I was way fatter than I ever was ever since I got into fitness. I had these disordered eating patterns. And in the meanwhile, also, I was the most hermit-like and I was the most socially isolated I've ever been ever since I was in fitness. So... That's when I decided that I'm going to start doing things differently. And one of the things that I started doing was not tracking my macros or calories. And interestingly, making that change resulted in me not only developing a much healthier relationship with food, but also my body composition just started changing in a much better direction. Like I lost a lot of fat, um, partly because I just became more aware of my hunger signals and satiety signals. And I became much more cognizant of how much food I actually needed to feel satisfied and satiated. And I became so enthusiastic and just so uh, optimistic. It was such a big insight to me of how good of a result you can really achieve by eating this way that I started talking about it more and more. And that's how probably you have come across my uh, work on this as well. So that's as a short intro. I don't know if you have any follow-ups.
1: Yeah, that's very interesting. I mean, I can resonate with that to a point especially when I was younger, that you were so hermited and you so socially isolated and, and probably because you were so committed or you wanted to, you know, get the best body you could or be the most dedicated. But then in turn, there's obviously some something going on inside that led you to have those kind of eating disorders. And Did you ever kind of discover what was causing the binging behavior? Because didn't seem like it was necessarily I know you're pretty educated on it and you've done the PT course and stuff like that so you're, you're a pretty smart guy so it wasn't that you were being over clean with your food or you didn't have this kind of orthorexia where you didn't eat any foods you're very restrictive with the with the types of foods or food selections or I wouldn't say even with the calories um do you have any kind of insight into what was causing you potentially to to have those disorders? Was it the other areas of your life? And I know that there's some correlation between, um, you know, self-image and eating disorders, with terms of binging. People who often don't see themselves as adequate or they're not happy with themselves, they'll binge as a form of self-sabotage or self-deprecation. Do you, do you have any kind of thoughts around that? And you know, more than just the actual changing of the, the calories, what was the or the changing of the way that you tracked calories or didn't track calories? Was there any kind of lifestyle changes or decisions that you made internally to yourself and said, okay, this is the, this is what I need to do or you know, I need to look at myself differently? And what kind of caused that change?
0: Yeah, I think part of the reason why I developed those binge eating behaviors was I don't think I ever had an actual eating disorder that could have been formally diagnosed. I don't think it was that severe in that case. I think it was mainly a couple of things. For one, I think when you're dieting chronically, when you're chronically chasing the goal of being lean and then you fall off the wagon for one reason, reason or another and then you're in a big surplus for a couple of days and then you go back into a deficit, you know, sometimes if you're lucky, then you catch that whole thing early on, you know, you maybe fall off the wagon one time, then you complete your fat loss phase, then you're out of the deficit, then you go into a lean gaining phase, or maybe into a maintenance phase. And then you can avoid spending large chunks of time in a calorie deficit. But really, the way it turned out for me in the beginning is that I ended up basically dieting for the first couple of years of of me being in fitness earlier on it was just a function of not really knowing how to diet intelligently i would drop my calories too low and then i couldn't sustain that so i would just abandon the diet then get motivated again getting back on the diet again and that's i ended up basically from 2015 to 2017 the very large majority of the the years i spent in a dieted state now, when you're doing that, I think physiologically, you're sort of inducing that binge eating response to begin with. So I think that's that was kind of the starting point, which is, was not very positive. The second thing after that is that a lack of mindfulness. I think distracted eating in general has a tendency to make people just consume more when you're not paying attention to your hunger and satiety signals and when you're Distracted by something, whether it's your phone screen or a TV or watching videos or anything like that, then it can make you eat more. Now, that is one part of the problem, but also when you're creating a ritual like that, when food is becoming associated with, okay, this is the time when I'm gonna relax, this is the time when I'm gonna have fun and just entertain myself. When your eating times, your feeding times are getting too much associated with just entertainment in your brain then I think that can also cause problems. And that was something I've also fallen for earlier on. And then also, I think I just uh, kind of became addicted to the behavior itself of going a bit hungry for certain periods of the day, even when I was gaining, even when I was in a calorie surplus, I really liked doing that, like fasting in the morning, maybe, and even if I didn't fast, I would get by on maybe five, 600 calories up until 8 p.m. And then I would start overfeeding. Even when I was not dieting, I had these feast and famine Periods over the course of the day. So, that I think also reinforced this idea of food is scarce. I need to cherish every moment that I can spend putting stuff into my mouth. And then there are times when, you know, I just have to go without food and just get hungry. And I I just got into that pattern and I kind of became addicted to that. And I think when you're doing all of that stuff, it's just a matter of time until something breaks. And then maybe it just results in a bit of overeating. Sometimes it only resulted in just a little bit of overeating. But every once in a while, I just somehow mentally broke and was like, okay, you know what? I screwed up anyway. Let's just go into full-on self-destruction mode. And also, like I said, I was socially isolated. And over time, kind of food became the only source of hedonic pleasure in my life which was also problematic. Like I basically didn't have anything else to look forward to in my days other than eating my meals. And when you're putting your food on a pedestal like that, then again, I think it's only a matter of time until something breaks. So I think those are a couple of reasons.
1: Yeah, I think, like you said, it's, when it's the only form of pleasure and it's it's in abundance like you have just tons of tasty calories and, and you know there's a lot of research to show that food can light up some certain dopamine signals in the brain depending on the, the kind of makeup and palatability of the foods if you're getting pleasure from that it's pretty hard to stop if if that's the only source of pleasure and i've definitely binged in the past whether it's when i was younger because i didn't really understand physiology and kind of metabolism fell off the bandwagon of eating clean and kind of hit the the button or even sometimes just from ravenous hunger even once or twice over the last year or so in my you know extended dieting period i've done it but my reactions to how i've I've binged have been a lot different um in terms of self-care and you know what i do afterwards but I think one of the big mistakes that many people make even when they get into this flexible dieting uh, kind of lifestyle where they're not so restrictive with their calories they can still get a poor or develop a poor relationship with food and you kind of touched on it a bit as well is when you just put too much attention into your actual meals and i don't really or i'm not a huge fan of people trying to make all these magical low calorie desserts and spending forever building out their meals and putting so much time and preparation in it Um not to like and not in the fact that you shouldn't do that if you're going to enjoy meals with family in uh, a certain occasion but every single meal you're trying to make these cheesecakes from 50 grams of protein and zero grams of carbs and fats and you get over fixated on on food itself and i think it was alberto nunez i can't remember exactly but one of the 3dmj coaches who's a pro natural bodybuilder he talked about When he's doing like a contest prep, if he spends or he thinks about what he's going to eat for the next meal for more than 10 seconds, he'll just have a bro meal. So we'll just have some potatoes and chicken because he doesn't want to get this hyper fixated or hyper focused on on food because you can start to develop these, uh, you know, eating disorders or or disordered eating, I should say, not really an eating disorder, but like just, you know, kind of abnormalities, especially when you're in like an extended period of time where. Uh, you're dieting or you're cutting because you're going to have to you know restrain yourself or restrict yourself uh, in some form or the other just through the, the nature of a calorie deficit being the only thing that's going to drive uh, you know fat loss and that's kind of the approach that I've been taking recently is I'm not trying to be too flexible necessarily with my diet I'm just having a structure with the similar meals most times of the day but if i do you know want to add something in or change something i will but i'm, I'm not trying to focus too much on oh, what am i going to eat at 3 p.m tomorrow how can i fit in uh, that cookie or make the homemade really low calorie pancakes so that I can savor over them because it will just start to develop and um, I think some form of you know bad relationship with food and just taking up too much space in my mind and it sounds like that's the approach that you took and you basically just took the brakes off and said I can't really I can't really focus on this anymore I've got to just focus on other areas of my life and and just let you know be comfortable with being uncomfortable for a little period of time and then you know eventually just when you realize that you can still maintain a pretty good body composition and even improve it that you know that's how you start to actually relinquish that kind of control
0: yeah yeah it's it's interesting you know uh what you mentioned about food related decisions and and what alberto said you know food is an interesting entity if you are phenomenon, if you think about it in the sense that we all have to eat, it's something eating and food is something that is with us three, four times a day, seven days a week, we cannot escape it. And at the same time, it is also one of the most pleasurable things, natural, naturally occurring pleasures in life that we can enjoy. And all the meanwhile, basically, we are trying to be lean people in a fat world. Like, there are just so many cues and environmental factors that are pushing us towards consuming more. Mm -hmm. And, essentially the game that we are playing is who can eat the least. I mean, basically the more you can control how much you're eating, the better you're going to look essentially. And that's what a lot, that's a large part of what we're after. So, and I'm all for that game. I mean, it sounds kind of strange when I portray it like this, but I'm all for that. But that means that we have to find a way that allows us to to do all of that in automatic. Because the more time we spend on doing that, the more likely it is that eventually something is going to break. I mean, imagine if we had to limit or count the amount of breaths that we take in a given day. Like we can can only inhale so many times, like how, incredibly mentally taxing that would be having to pay attention to something that we're doing constantly automatically without even thinking about it and now we would have to count that somehow it would just drive us insane after a certain point so whatever form of eating you choose whether you're tracking macros or loosely tracking calories or you're actually eating in an auto-regulated fashion quote-unquote intuitively if you will it's really important to get into some sort of uh, routine and something that you can just follow on an autopilot and I, I completely resonate with what Alberto is saying like you've done bodybuilding preps and you've gotten very lean before I mean you know it how it is when you're very lean already maybe at eight percent body fat it's leaner than what your body would naturally want to maintain but you're still in a calorie deficit even though your body would still be fairly unhappy with you even if you were to eat in a at calorie maintenance or even if you're in a small surplus you're still eating in a deficit your body's fighting against you And the only thing that is keeping you on track is just the structure that you're following, that you know exactly what you're going to eat in the next couple of meals, and you just don't think about it and just follow the structure blindly. Like, that's very helpful, certainly during a tough diet, but I think on a day-to-day basis, we have to have those routines and habits that we can just follow and not drive ourselves insane with the decision fatigue we impose upon ourselves. So, yeah, I completely agree.
1: Yeah, I mean, you're completely right. A a lot of people who've never been uh, quite lean before, let's say sub 10%, sub 12% body fat, like they've never seen their abs and they want to achieve that. They often just like look for the tactics. They're looking for the diet or the specifics of nutrition that will get them there but in reality it's more about what are the the mental things that i can build up or the mental capacity how can i come up with routines habits and systems so that i can actually stick with it because that becomes the number one thing when you get lean it's not about is keto versus carb better or is you know it's certain meal timing. it's about actually how can you stick to it because like you said the environment that we're in our physical environment our social environment is pretty bad in terms of you know maintaining a lean body in at least in the western developed countries that are pretty affluent that it's about how do i you know not eat basically how do i not give in to these temptations because you're going to be facing them all of the time and there's a there's a case i suppose for being less flexible with your food and having less variety per se i suppose or maybe not less variety in terms of fruits and vegetables because nobody really binges on those unless they're doused in butter or oil but yeah less variety in the terms of the foods that you actually do really like because you are just your mind just changes as you get leaner and leaner as hunger goes up and leptin levels go down body fat goes down you just you're more likely or inclined to binge on foods it's just a, a natural response to your body wanting to increase your body fat and the more exposure you have to these quote unquote trigger foods or foods that just make you want to binge so like for me i love reese's peanut butter cups and i know that i could fit a peanut butter cup which is 200 calories into my food uh, on any given day nearly but i wouldn't do that because the amount of willpower i would have to you know use not to eat a second one and then a tenth one is so extremely high that it's better that i just don't make that choice to have that or fit it into my diet even though i could so like i said it's it's really down to kind of systemizing it and making it as and like you said as an on autopilot Um, as possible so that you're set up to win. And that's kind of the same with anything, right? If someone wants a business, set up a successful business, you're trying to implement systems and uh, reduce decision fatigue and cut out as much variables as possible so that you're not like spending time or giving mental energy to tasks that can be
0: automated. Yeah, it's uh, during diets at the tail end when I'm digging and I'm already at the point where it's below the body fat percentage which is sustainable for me in the long term so i don't know maybe nine percent body fat and i want to get down to eight i will make a like routinize is that a word so I, i will systematize my food intake and make it so automatic that it's probably actually causing some micronutrient deficiencies at a certain point like i will basically eat the same exact meals day after day after day probably that is not ideal from some aspects but it is just making it so much easier. Like I go to the grocery store, I don't even have to think, I just put it in. When I go home, I don't even have to put things on the scale or whatever, if it's at the point where I already have to track, because I'm so lean. I just take it out of the fridge, put it on my plate, and it's all done. Now, when I'm not dieting and not cutting hard, I still think it's important to have a certain structure in place. And like, there is this concept, which I just like to call the baseline plate of food. And that is, for me, there is a protein slash fat source. It could be the same thing if it's some fattier protein source, some fatty fish or fatty meat or something like that. There is a corb slash fiber source, and there is some discretionary corb or fat source if whatever if that is applicable at the moment so that could be a steak with a piece of avocado and some veggies or it could be a fatty steak no additional fat source and veggies or it could be cottage cheese and some fruits or something like that but the structure is always the same and then I also only have to think about okay what am I going to rotate in for the protein what is going to come in for the carb source And even then, I will have like three or four foods at most in my head loosely held there, which I'm going to rotate through. And it just makes the decision-making process so much easier. And that, if I think if more people were to think about their diets like that, it's like, okay, I have this baseline plate of food. And when I'm cutting, it's going to look a little bit different, but it's not going to be drastically different compared to when I'm trying to gain muscle or just maintain. It's just what you're adding to that baseline plate of food that's changing. And that's a very simple system that I can just follow year round. And honestly, that was one of the big, biggest key pieces for me in you know not alternating between ten percent body fat and twenty percent body fat, but something more reasonable, like I don't know, maybe twelve percent to fourteen, maybe sixteen percent body fat, depending on what my goals are.
1: Yeah, it's exactly the same structure that I, I follow now. And it, one, it's not just simply for. Having like a good relationship with food or getting results but it's also just a time thing as well you know if you're busy you don't want to be cooking you don't want to be thinking about oh what am i going to eat at this time if you want to be consistent with getting your enough protein in getting enough calories in and if you have a kind of a busy job or something like that like as most people they, they'll often skip a meal or they'll miss something because they're busy and then they'll just eat a ton of calories but it may not be the best macronutrient profile. But like I it's same for me. I just have like four square meals per day. I'll almost always eat like Greek yogurt for breakfast with fruit um and then I'll have some form of meat sources for two meals and then an egg source for another and that's pretty much always the always the way it is and the only thing I swap out is just moving some vegetables just to try and not be too micronutrient deficient like you mentioned and having some form of of greens powder but you talked about a bit about you know uh, how you didn't necessarily track calories but when you do get leaner you do start to actually track calories i think i only ever saw one person who got extremely extremely lean uh, like competition lean without tracking calories and well, I suppose bodybuilders, like in the olden days, they never really tracked calories, but they had a, a set meal plan. So technically, they just didn't care to count them, but they did.
0: They also didn't get that lean.
1: Yeah, that's true, actually. And they're also using drugs to help them get leaner. But Me- Menno he I-, I remember him mentioning before that he didn't track for one of his like competitions. He competed like maybe it was five mm-hmm. years ago and he did like fitness modeling and he essentially didn't track anything. But... I think when people think about not tracking they think that well you just kind of eat whatever you want but I remember him talking about basically all he ate was like meat and veggies or like green vegetables and and lean source of protein and that's pretty much all he ate and one of the problems I guess with not tracking if you're if you're trying to get specifically very lean is that you have less you know deviation or you you can have less deviation because you can't really be you know, too flexible with your diet because when you're being so precise with tracking, you can fit something in here and remove something there and just add the equations up. And at the end of the day, it's all going to be the same. But when you're not being so diligent with the tracking, it's it's easier to kind of mess up and go beyond what the specific kind of requirements are for your, your calorie deficit per se. So when would you actually start mm-hmm. to feel like tracking becomes a necessity? Because like I said, it, Menno Henselmans did do it. He got into competition lean, but I think he was the the outlier and he had to be so specific and routined and nuanced with his habits that he had basically no flexibility in his diet at all which most people wouldn't want or think of when they think that oh i'm going, i'm not going to track
0: yeah it's funny that you mentioned meno because he is the example I, I like to use myself when describing that well technically you can get contest lean or almost contest lean without tracking macros but if you look at what actually is required to do that, in the case of Menno, for example, he it doesn't really offer any distinct benefits over just macro tracking, because the diet has to be very, very rigid. It's not like he's eating all kinds of healthy, nutritious foods, and he's just listening to his hunger signals. No, it's he has a very, very limited selection of foods, which basically makes it almost impossible not to be in an energy deficit if you also apply a degree of mindfulness to all of it, and you have a lot of calorie awareness, of course. But it is um interesting the the question of when is it becoming necessary to track macros and i think the the answer to that is at the point at which you can no longer distinguish between being an energy deficit and feeling like crap because of that or just feeling like crap because you're so lean (laughs) so for example when i'm at eight or nine percent body fat i wouldn't say i'm feeling crap but my energy levels are just going to be chronically a little bit lower I will have less energy for my workouts, at times I will not be motivated to work out, which normally doesn't happen. I will get hungry regularly, just a lot more often than I normally do. If I miss a meal sometimes, I will get like very hungry and lethargic. My sleep can suffer, you know, things like that. That doesn't happen if I'm at 10% body fat, if I'm not eating in an energy deficit. So when you're at that point, it's if you're not actually ensuring by some means that you're in a calorie deficit, then you could be there thinking okay, I'm sort of suffering here, but am I at least suffering for a reason? Am I progressing towards my goals, or am I just messing around at a maintenance intake, and I'm just feeling crap because I'm so lean? At, at, at some point, you just don't know. Now, this differs between people. For some person, it might happen at 10% body fat already. For others, it might happen only at 6% body fat. I can't tell an exact value there. But I know for sure, for me, when I'm dipping significantly under about 10% body fat, there comes a point where you know i wasted you know weeks at a time like two weeks basically not losing anything not really getting leaner and i felt like i was restricting i was i was strict with things and i was kind of suffering mildly at times during the day and looking back i was not in an energy deficit anymore because you know like that, that was just a state of being for me at the time because of my leanness so i was like you know what If I'm going to be struggling here, kind of, then I might as well make sure that it actually works. So I put together a meal plan for myself based on numbers. So I put myself at whatever, 2,200 calories, maybe 2,000. And you know what, I'm just going to follow this. And yeah, long behold, I started making progress again. And I still felt not so great at times, but at least it was working.
1: Yeah, I think uh, like there's a bit of a movement, I guess, people that are kind of against calorie tracking saying that it doesn't necessarily promote healthy behaviors and i would agree to a point if that's going to be an extended thing and rather than just a tool but like you mentioned um you know even even me over the last couple months when i've been in an extended dieting phase for contest prep there's been weeks where i haven't lost any body weight or body fat So unlikely that I'm getting leaner and visibly there's been weeks where I haven't looked any leaner, but that isn't to say that I wasn't very, very hungry on some of those days and eating what I would think or what anybody else would think was a very small amount of calories, but it really just all depends on, you know, what your requirements are, what your energy output is versus your energy intake. And it doesn't matter, you know, how you feel on certain occasions, if you may not be eating foods that are highly satiating and that's often why on the extreme end where we say you know quite obese people will say i'm not eating that much food or i'm not stuffing myself and it's not this it's not untrue they're not lying but they're just eating very calorie dense foods and they're filling or they're they're feeding their hunger signals with you know very calorie dense low food volume foods that are not going to be the best for Trying to maintain a lean body level, and then also staving off that hunger and making sure that you're full. So, like you said, it's it's actually probably a lot more difficult to get to lean levels without some form of tracking, whether that's just calories or protein and calories or or all your macronutrients. And I think ideally we would like to, all, of course, stay extremely lean and not have to track anything or never have to manage anything. But it's kind of like a business, I guess. You know, businesses are successful some fail some get extremely successful um but very few get extremely successful without tracking any of the numbers without tracking their sales their cash flow their turnover uh, you know their gross margin their net margin uh, and the ones who do track the numbers are the ones who can make the subtle changes they can change the advertising spend they can change the the overheads the operating costs and that's kind of like an example I like to give is you know, compare it to like a business your body to a business you know obviously we have emotions and stuff involved with food and you can't compare it, uh, one to one but the less that you track or the more that you track you're, they're going to affect the results or at least what you know what's what to change if something's not working and if it's if it's not working and you're still doing the same thing, well, then why should you really expect to get other results?
0: Yeah, yeah. And, and and again, I think it's important to clarify, like I can maintain 10% body fat and above. I can maintain no problem without tracking macros. 12%, absolutely, easily, easily. And I can lose fat in that range. I can lean bulk. I can maintain. I can do whatever. And I think that should be the goal for most people to get to that point where you have to track as little amount of variables as possible. And you can just eat like a normal person and forget about the fact that, okay, I have this meal and I have to stay within this cap of calories or whatever. And it it just important to realize that there comes a point where you're venturing into the territory where, you know what, like this is no longer about sustainability. This is no longer about living a healthy lifestyle. I want to get very, very lean because of X. Maybe I'm a bodybuilder and I want to step on stage. Maybe I want to take a couple of professional photos or what have you. And there the strategy has to change. But yeah, uh, I I agree that at some point, basically the more precise you are, the more in control you're going to be of things. But uh, it it doesn't have to be a life sentence for most people, I think, if if they are just looking to maintain a good-looking, healthy, and sustainable body fat percentage. Hey guys, just a second. Are you enjoying this podcast? If so, I'd really appreciate you dropping a five-star rating on the Sustainable Self-Development Podcast on iTunes. That will help me to grow this podcast, rank higher on the platform, and get more high-quality guests over time, which is a win-win for everybody. So if you could do this a little bit of favor for me, I'll owe you one. Thanks a lot, guys, and let's continue.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, like for me, when I'm not, say, in a dieting mode, I can maintain... Uh, you know, probably around fifteen percent body fat without tracking at all, but like that includes I like to drink and party uh, semi frequently I would say I haven't drank alcohol in probably six months, but nope. usually I would maybe once a month or something like that, and I like to eat out a bit, and you know I dial it back in you know, like my food and my eating out when I do want to get leaner but I think what most people, they don't really want to accept is the fact that your body fat set point range is probably higher than what you would aesthetically like it to be. So for me, of course, I think I look really good right now. And people, uh, I posted in some Facebook group randomly the other day. uh, It's called like gym something because everyone just always posts in it with like 30 or what is it? Like 300,000 people. People just ask, should I cut or bulk? And um, I just thought it'd be funny to get advice from random people who don't know what they're talking about. So I posted like my... I think it was one day out from my last bodybuilding show, and I posted, like, should I cut her bulk? And I didn't have any tan, so it didn't. They they wouldn't have known. And most people were like, oh, you should just maintain that because it looks pretty lean. I was like, that is not maintainable whatsoever. Of course, I would like to maintain this because I look lean and it's good for photos. But, you know, most people think that when you get to 8% body fat or 7%, when you finally get there, then I'll just maintain. That's the kind of thought philosophy that people have. When in reality, that means that. Although it's not impossible to do, you definitely can do it. You're just going to have to make a lot of sacrifices and, you know, the the pain versus the pleasure of maintaining that isn't necessarily going to be worth it for almost everybody who wants to do that. I don't know anybody that maintains that level of leanness, even those who are like using some form of cutting drugs to keep them leaner because you just feel tired all the time. You're hungry, uh, regardless of the amount of calories that you're able to introduce back into your diet or walk your metabolism back up. Just because of the low body fat le- levels and the, the leptin being so low and you just libido is just gone out the window and probably even so if you're taking some form of testosterone and you know most people can probably maintain anywhere between 12 and 20% body fat and actually be healthy and progress in the gym as well actually build the muscle naturally. And anything below that, really, most people are just going to be shooting themselves in the foot and going to have to be seriously diligent with their food intake, with their energy expenditure, and they're going to have to sacrifice just making any progress long term.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the set point, settling point discussion is very interesting. And once I did a video on that, like, does a set point actually exist? And kind of my conclusion at the end of it was, it does kind of, but you have to factor in lifestyle factors, psychological factors, you know, or people just more or less comfortable walking around a bit hungry you know that might differ between individuals you know what is your lifestyle what is the lifestyle that you're comfortable maintaining and that brings me to i did another another video which was called your ideal body fat percentage calculated and it was unique in a way that it calculated what the lowest body fat percentage is that you can realistically maintain given the lifestyle sacrifices that you're willing to make. And it's funny because the most common value that most people got by far was around 12% body fat. Because really, you can maintain that by essentially developing a healthy lifestyle, developing some good eating habits, eating like an adult with a degree of mindfulness and responsibility, making good food choices, having some calorie awareness, but it doesn't require tracking all the time. It certainly doesn't require tracking every macronutrient. And really, you can just live like a normal person with a degree of fitness lifestyle overhaul. Now, people love asking the question of, you know, can I maintain 8% body fat or 7% or 9%? And the answer is, in most cases, yes, you can. But the longer answer is, yes, you can, and just see for yourself if it's worth it for you. So, have I been 8% body fat before? Yes. Can I maintain it year-round? Yes. But what does it take? Well, it will mean that my calories will have to be lower because it's just a function of your body fat and body body size overall. So I will have to eat lower calorie, higher volume foods for the most part. It will mean that I have to be stricter with things like meal times. Socializing and eating out will kind of become a pain in the ass because I either eat low calorie foods when I'm out in a restaurant, which can be tricky, or I'm actually enjoying myself, but then I will have to go lighter in other meals. But, you know, my meals are kind of light to begin with at that point, so it's kind of uncomfortable to reduce them even more. So very soon especially if you're a more introverted person like I am, you will start perceiving people around you and people approaching you and trying to be around you as, as a threat, basically, as a threat to your progress or the results that you want to maintain. So it is doable, but it just might not be worth it. And when I'm at, say, 10% body fat, things are a lot better, even though it's just 2% body fat difference between the two. Things are a lot more flexible. I don't have to be stringent. And then when I'm at 12% body fat, you know, purely looking at my behaviors, the average person around me might not even know that i'm into fitness at all so yeah it's just a matter of trade-offs and what's worth it for you and i think people have to experience it for themselves
1: yeah i completely agree and one kind of uh way that i like to look at it and you're completely dead right with the whole of an environment because somebody growing up in houston texas where obesity is like oh, i don't know almost like 50 percent, you can't say that their body fat set point is 28 percent body fat because yeah. you know social environment has so much um you know, impacting that. And I i don't even want to get into the, you know, socio-economical structure and how that affects obesity and poverty and all these things. And to be honest, it's out of my scope, but so much things can affect just basically on the household that you've brought up and nothing to do with your actual genetics. But if I think a good point and this is very very average but for most people when they say like what body fat do you think i can maintain most people probably know if you look at yourself when you're like an early teenager before you kind of got into any dieting or anything like that if you didn't grow up in a say an obesogenic household where your family are all extremely fat um you know that's the kind of age 13 14 before you started dieting you didn't track calories you ate pretty instinctively and that kind of give you a good estimation of your body fat levels. And more so just for people who are either extremely, extremely lean or maybe a bit chubby. So for me, like I was not fat, but I wasn't really lean either. And, you know, now that I'm older, I can kind of say safely say that I can maintain or feel like my best when I'm at that similar kind of body fat level. So like not very lean, but not fat. And I perform very, very well when I'm in like 15, 16, 17% body fat. But I do have like clients or friends that I know as well that they were like extremely athletic and lean when they were younger and they almost had like abs when they were like fourteen years old. And now that they got into the gym, they're like the ones who can maintain like nine percent, ten percent body fat, like eight percent very, very well, and still feel like very good compared to if I was to do that, even though I'm not like or never was extremely fat, if I was to do that I would just feel like shit, my performance would be terrible. So that's the kind of way that I like to give somebody an insight into um that might be the ideal body fat for you. Like unless you are were extremely lean as a youngster or, you know, very athletic, it's unlikely that you're gonna be able to maintain that and feel very good. Because like you said, everybody can maintain very lean levels of body fat, I think, even extremely heavy person, but it just um it just would be a lot more difficult and you'd have to make a lot more sacrifices, so much so to the point that you wouldn't want to do it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, th- that is a good point, actually. If I think back to how I was looking like when I was 13, 14, yeah, it was it was basically a similar body type that to what I have now. It's just that I didn't work out. I didn't have calorie awareness. I was just kind of eating whatever and I was always kind of interested in health and fitness to some extent so I was I had my periods even then when I was trying to be a bit more conscious of what I'm eating but you know it's 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 a good estimate and then you can take it to the next level with the fitness knowledge that you have but yeah it's um people have to experience it for themselves cuz it's it's one thing to give out values of okay i think most people can maintain around 12% or 15% body fat or something like that but people just differ in, in that regard i mean i know i had him on on the pod, on my podcast ivan govaranic is his name and he you know got down to like 5 or 6% body fat and he honestly said that yeah he was pushing the envelope a little bit and he had days when it was getting tough but the the way in which he was speaking about the experience was akin to how other people talk about cutting down to maybe nine percent body fat and some people like many people will already push through a lot of discomfort by the time they get there and he just you know got down to five or six percent body fat pushed through some discomfort and then he decided to maintain it because he just thinks it looks cool and it's just a good it's basically his hobby maintaining a very shredded condition so so there are people like that. And then there are other people who have to just move heaven and earth to get down to like 12% body fat or something like that. And, you know, not to go on to a huge tangent on this, but we both know how bad the fitness industry is about all of this. Because there is a lot of false marketing about, you know, basically your life is going to be amazing if you get down to 7% body fat. And there is like a lot of kind of hints at the fact that you may even become more successful with girls and there's somehow always a fancy card that is appearing on those posts and you know it's it's ridiculous but people people make that kind of association in their head that oh my god things are just better when i'm lean and then just,
1: just call him out. just call grego gallagher we know
0: it's him yeah yeah i had his face th- in my head throughout the whole time i was speaking but yeah and it's maybe good to verbalize <laughs> yeah but i I completely agree and that's probably
1: a topic for another day and you're right i think when you think that when you think that getting a better body or or looking better physically is going to improve your success in life or your self-worth that automatically means that you're not happy with who you are already in terms of your you know your self-esteem or, or or the value you have in the world or or your perception of yourself in your current situation because you think that oh my body's not good enough i get another body or a better body a better shape then i'm going to improve my life or i'm going to get these things that are going to make me a more attractive person not just physically but you know as a human being and that starts to going kind to of get down a rabbit hole of self-esteem issues and uh, like i mentioned i think at the beginning of the podcast uh, there's a lot of eating a lot of eating disorders are associated with people who have you know lesser self lesser kind of images of their self-worth and there's that's kind of all tied up together with binge eating disorder and people who, you know, have over-reliance on their self-image ingrained with their self-worth. And I've even experienced that in the past where first competition I did, I think it was 21. I thought that once I get in competition shape, then I'm going to be way happier. I'm going to be way more social and successful. And not that I wasn't per se before that, but I did kind of have that hermit lifestyle uh, where it was just training and, you know, nutrition was just on point all the time. And then when I realized that I got in shape and didn't really make anything any different and I binged and basically put on like fifteen pounds of fat in like a couple of weeks. Then I was just an it was became even worse than when I began because I was now fatter and now I was also realized that all this hard work that I put in didn't give me what I'd wanted and it wasn't uh wasn't what I expected. And I think yeah, that's kind of an issue with portraying that. It's a fine line I guess because you know, it, getting in shape for people does help. Their self-confidence to an extent, and it can obviously improve your life if you are unhealthy. But from going from fifteen percent body fat to nine percent or eight percent body fat, which doesn't necessarily improve your health, potentially will actually make your health worse, and not going to improve your performance or your you know sexual functions for m- most people. Is that really a good message to be sending out, or is that something that we should be even striving for? And that's a question that I don't really know the answer to, because I also do promote like. I do put out information on how people can get leaner, but at the same time it's like a double-edged sword. Is is that something that we really should be should be promoting at all, getting to that level of, of leanness?
0: Yeah, and, and and two things off of that. One is that as a content producer, you know, especially if you're like providing a service or or coaching or products you're selling or something like that, then it's an even trickier thing to or, or a very hard line to to get right. Because for example, I've put out a lot of videos actually talking about this, that like, look, what are realistic body fat percentages to maintain, uh, why you should not be hyper-fixated on getting super lean. I also put out the video where, look, on this picture, I'm probably between 13 and maybe 15% body fat. Look, this is how it looks like when I'm in the changing room, flexing and good lighting. And this is how I look like in not favorable lighting without flexing, which is kind of just like a, a normal person, a normal healthy athletic person, but not like super jacked or anything like that. And then people are like, oh, my God, Abel, you're amazing. Thank you so much. Finally, someone is speaking the truth. I would venture to guess that those same people are going to be the ones that are going to give their money to some guy who is posing on the picture with 7% body fat <laughs> with the car. That would be my guess. I hope I'm wrong. The, but the other thing is, so it, it is a tricky thing as a content producer because you have to show people that you're walking the walk, even if that walk that you're walking is not really what you think other people should be walking, if that makes sense. But then the other component of it is that, yeah, I completely agree uh, with how you're thinking about this, that up to a certain point, getting in better shape is one of the easiest ways to self-improve, if you if you will, like to improve your life on the whole, improve your self-esteem. It can make you more organized, more structured. It can teach you self-discipline up to a point that is certainly true. Like If someone has been living their life overweight, getting into a decent shape it it can be an absolutely amazing life-changing thing that will happen to them but once you're at the point where you're already in excellent shape and then you're just spending a lot of your free time trying to get into even more of an excellent shape you could be actually gradually turning yourself into more and more of a mess you know i'm saying this from experience i mean I've had times when I was in the gym all the time. I was as disciplined as ever with my diet. I was you know, making some of the best progress of my life, but all the other areas of my life were just falling apart. Like I was getting more socially isolated. I was slacking with work-related things. When I was studying, my grades were suffering because I was just putting all my energy into improving my physique. So it, it's a severely diminishing returns that you're facing at a certain point. So going from uh, two out of 10 to seven out of 10, like that, that's going to be an amazing positive change for your life. Going from seven out of 10 to eight, and then from nine, and doing everything you can to go to 10 out of 10, you know, might be not as positively life-changing at that point.
1: Yeah, I think, like you said, it's it's a difficult one because it's almost like if you had two people trying to sell you a finance course, one telling you that in three months time, you can make 500k selling or trading cryptocurrencies and you'll become extremely rich. And then the other guy trying to sell you a course as well, but telling you that, you're know you going to make 15k but you actually don't need that much money to be happy like which one are you going to go with you know so that's the maybe the second guy is actually true and that money isn't necessarily going to make you happier but at the end of the day if you're going to try and buy a course that you want to make money it's hard to to not fall for the shiny object and that's the kind of balance i guess that you know needs further thought and i don't really know the answer to that one but Yeah, it's been a great conversation, Abel. I don't want to keep you on too much longer. I know we're almost at the hour mark. But if you had any final recommendations for somebody who say, like, they want to maintain at least some level of leanness where they can long-term keep this sustainable where they're not feeling like crap maybe they haven't got extremely lean before but they maybe want to have visible abs or some form of kind of shape in their abdomen and that's definitely possible with still being like 12 30 body fat uh, what kind of advice would you give so that they don't necessarily have to be tracking all the time or they don't have to be so nuanced but they can still maintain a sociable life um train consistently but go out and you know eat out and potentially drink sometimes like that as well but also maintain a lean aesthetic uh, body what advice would you give to a person who's looking for that
0: yeah so first of all i think everybody should be going through their initial stages of body transformation. So I think it's good for every person to do a cut one time, get down to, you know, 10% body fat, maybe even nine, maybe even eight, then do a long, slow, gradual, and smart lean gaining phase, be in a surplus for many months, build a lot of muscle, then Practice how it is to maintain that for a little bit. Do another cut. Over time, learn to how you can do it in a fashion which doesn't drive you insane. So your second cut is probably going to be a lot less neurotic than the first one. Your second gaining phase is going to be even better than the first one. So you will get some experience that way, how different body fat percentages feel, how the process of dieting feels, and how being that lean feels. And then over time, once you have some experience with that, then you can make an attempt at staying at the lower end of your ideal body fat percentage ranges. So if previously you've been fluctuating between 9% and 17%, you know maybe try out how it is to not go over 15%. When it comes to maintaining that level of leanness, I think there are a couple of keystone habits that every person should nail down who wants to stay lean. One is mindful eating. You know, learn to experience food, experience how it is to be satiated from a meal and tuning into your body signals, how it is to finish a meal and just feeling really nicely, comfortably full after that, not being distracted by devices, whether it's your TV or smartphone. That can almost be like a drug withdrawal at first when someone is doing it. It can be really, really behaviorally addictive to eat in a distracted state, but I think it's it's a superpower and an absolute must-have habit for anybody who wants to stay lean, or for most people, I should say. Develop a liking to healthy, nutritious, wholesome, satiating foods, which are really just foods that your grandma always told you to eat, so fruits, veggies, protein sources of various kinds, mainly whole animal products, if you're not a vegetarian or vegan, so eggs, meat, fish, certain dairy products, things like that, learn to develop a liking to them. And by that, I just mean, kind of just come to a level of acceptance with the fact that if you're always trying to fit in all kinds of, you know, quote, unquote, processed or junk foods, then it will inevitably force you into a way of eating that is just not as sustainable like tracking calories because otherwise you will always be kind of just tiptoeing around overeating or just not overeating. So kind of come to an acceptance with the fact that your diet will have to look a certain way. It will have a certain level of monotony, but you can also get used to that and learn to enjoy it over time because you generally learn to like the way you usually eat. And then develop some sustainable habits around eating out and socializing as well. And you will kind of come to develop a system in which you're able to live life like a normal person, but you're still taking those boxes off each and every day That is, that are allowing you to stay on track. Once you're doing that and you're really doing a diligent job at that, then you will get a really good idea of how lean you can realistically expect to stay. So if every day is a struggle for you while eating that way and while behaving that way, then maybe it's just too lean and it's just not a realistic or reasonable goal for you to strive for in the long term. But if you're able to stay at 10% body fat that way, then like shit, you <laughs> crack the code for yourself and you can live a lean and happy life for the rest of your life. So that's how I did it. And I think that's a really reasonable journey to expect for for most people as well.
1: That's great. Thanks for that. It's a perfect summary for our whole conversation. I think we we'll would go into many, many other topics and tangents based off of what we talked today, but I think we'll leave that for another time. So where can people find you if they want to find more information about your your information that you put out the you know videos that you do the podcasts that you do and um, your services where can people get you what's the best place
0: all right, and then I'm going to cut this part off since this is my podcast this case and I guess you know where you can find me, but once again guys, if you watch this on YouTube, I would appreciate you subscribing, liking the video and commenting, letting me know what you think, what kind of topics would you be interested in in the future? And once again, if you listen to this in podcasting format, then if you could drop a 5-star rating on the Sustainable Self Development podcast, it would be highly appreciated. You probably want to know that our website Sustainable Self Development as of September 22, 2019 is down, but but you can get in contact with me if you check out the Calendly link in the show description. And then you could hop on a free call with me, discuss your goals and challenges, and then we could potentially decide to work together or not, depending on how that call goes and what we, you and I, decide. So that's all I had to say for today. and Once again, check out Adam's show the health mastery show his youtube channel is gonna be linked in the show description he's a really cool guy and someone with a great physique so you definitely want to look into his stuff and i appreciate him once again getting me on his show so that's all i had to say for today i wish you an awesome rest of the day or evening depending on when you're listening to this and with that see you next time